Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here, as always, every other week with my friend and co-host, academic advisor at Midwestern Seminary, Ross Ferguson. How are you, brother? Yeah, I'm doing good. I, I've got a quick question for you. Okay. What's the next book? The next book that yeah. I'm writing? Yeah. Or what's, what's coming, coming next? What's yeah. next? I feel like I've never actually asked you what's the, the, yeah, the so next. I, yeah, that's a good question. The book this spring is a book with my wife. This isn't planned, by the way. I don't know if anyone thinks like, <laughs> did I set you up to ask this? I actually did not expect you to ask this. Uh, the book in the spring, which comes out in a couple months, is a book called Go Outside mm-hmm. and 19 Other Keys to Thriving in Your 20s that I wrote with my wife. It's coming out from Moody Publishers. It's a short little book designed to help uh, young people, young adults. Every short chapter is all on different mm-hmm. subjects. And the idea is, you know, you can give these away to graduates and that sort of thing. And then I have uh, my next Christian Living book comes out in the fall. It's called Friendship with the Friend of Sinners. That comes out from Baker Books about how, what kind of friend Jesus is and how to be friends with Jesus. What happens if you're in your 30s? Still good advice? You can still read Go Outside, I okay. guess, but it's it's really timed for the okay. 20s. But I, I think it's probably perennial advice. Sure. Okay. <laughs> you can take a look. Even if you, it wouldn't waste your time if you read it. It wouldn't be a bigger waste of time than, say, watching a Christian movie. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I was like, I walked into that one. <laughs> no, I appreciate you asking. You know what's funny about the uh, the Go Outside book is uh, the cover is a sloth. I did see that. Did yep. you see the cover I of the book? I did see that. We didn't even give really any direction for cover ideas. <laughs> Normally they, they, they might have asked and we just said we don't have any. But I don't remember having a conversation about the cover. We just got these cover designs. Mm. And one of them was this sloth. And it's funny because there is a chapter about laziness and thing. We don't really talk about sloths or yeah. anything like that. But I guess that was the connection being made. There's a picture of a sloth and we just thought it was funny. And then we asked for some kind of neon color combos. It was a different, I think it was like black and white almost. We asked for some kind of radical colorization. And yeah. So basically for all those people trying to determine if the front cover actually means something, <laughs> the truth is they just like looking at sloths. I just like looking at sloths, yeah. And it just says go outside on there, yeah. I love um, Becky's posts actually on on that book. This is her first book with you? That's right, yeah. yeah. And as far as she's concerned, her only book. <laughs> was, was it that bad writing with you? No, she just doesn't see herself as a writer. She almost had to be kind of pulled into into writing the book in the first place. So she's like, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the experience with me. Wow. Because we didn't write at the same time. We wrote alternating chapters. So we, we weren't like messing with each other's writing or anything. But of course, I'm talking to you. So that's what you'll say. So <laughs> you can ask her. She listens to the podcast. I'm not speaking out of turn. <laughs> We're trying to do, try like, to like sow some like discord in my marriage. Well, or something. no, I was like, I'm bigging you up. What's the next books? And then now I'm going to bring you down again a little bit. I know? get you. Say, okay. Yeah. You kind of have to go up and yeah. down on the thing. Yeah. Um, hey, today's subject, no transition. We'll just jump, just jump well, from there. marriage to singleness. <laughs> it would have been better if you mentioned, didn't mention the transition. If I didn't mention the transition. Uh, we're talking about singles in the church. Yeah. Yeah. We've had, uh, I think, a few people ask about this mm-hmm. over the past couple of years, actually. There's nothing super pressing about it. And I thought, uh, who better to speak to singleness in the church, the experience of singleness, counseling singles, mm-hmm. encouraging singles in the church? Than two guys who've been who've been married since 
late teens. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> well, how old were you when you got married? So met Miriam at 17, yeah. married at 18. Yeah. Uh, met Beck when I was 17, got married when I was 19 or 20. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, and I said to you, when you brought this subject, I was like, we have to say from the top of the episode, we have no personal experience. Yeah, yeah. We we haven't been on the receiving end of being a single person yeah. in the church, at least not as an adult. Yeah. But I've certainly over the years worked. But I've passed your singles and you exactly. have to. Uh, over the years, you, you cover this. So I think we can say we can give advice and counsel from what we've seen in others, but I've never experienced it for myself. Um, and so there's that caveat there before we kind of jump into anything that yeah, in some senses um, we, we can't say. Um, you know, we we feel the emotions you're feeling because we've not experienced that. It's been a, somewhat of a burden of mine, you know, not sort of a, the highest priority of my ministry, of course, but a burden of mine since my church planting days where most of the, my church were singles, young singles. I think there were only two other married couples. In my, I mean, I didn't have a big church, but in, in the church plant, there were only two other married couples that I can recall, and all the rest were single young adults. Mm. Um, and so I had to learn early on, even just from the church planning days, like how do you shepherd those who want to be married, don't want to be married, are struggling with this, not struggling with this, all these sorts of things. And then in my church in Vermont as as well, we had a, a number of single ladies, not as many single men, a few, but a great number of single women in the church and you know, learning how to shepherd them. And so it's just been sort of on my mind that this is something yeah. – and then we hear constantly, I hear on social media um, constantly, um, the concern that the church doesn't yeah. shepherd single people well. I don't know whether that's totally accurate or not. I suspect there's there's some truth to that. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can talk about some of the the issues or the, I guess, the anxieties that, that some folks have related to this. But from the you know shepherding aspect, we can talk about yeah. this, I think. I think there is a, another group, which I don't think we're probably going to touch on in this conversation, and I'm not even sure if we can put it in the exact same category, but in my last church setting, I had a lot of um, older folks that had been widowed and, and yeah. lived a single life, if you will, in the sense of they were alone um, a lot of their lives. But I think that's a little bit different because they have experienced a marriage. They have had those right, um, okay. potential families and situations like that. So their um, emotions and their feelings are, are a little bit different. It's more they're missing the things that they've had rather than the thing that they have yet to have. Yeah. So I think there is a singleness. I don't want to use that word really in the older age range that I've certainly sure. experienced. Yeah. But I think for this conversation, that's probably not where we're going to be going. Yeah. I want to have in mind kind of the man and woman, probably mid to late 20s yeah. to mid to late 30s. Yeah. Not that singleness outside of that isn't an issue or isn't worth talking about, mm. but just the kind of that transition period. Most, would you say that most singles, you know, in that age range desire marriage? Yes. Not all, but, but most do. Yeah. And I would say in the early kind of mid twenties, it's, it's the excitement of who am I going to marry? Where yeah. am I going to find them? You know, that type of moving forward. Uh, I would say that most people I have talked to as they move into their thirties, mid thirties, it more becomes a, a question of, is it ever going to happen? Is it, yeah. Possibly even a little bit towards bitterness, sadness, loneliness is starting to kick in. And that excitement of who is it going to be is slowly dissipating and just coming to the, is it going to be? So I think both age range, at both ends of the age range, you have a slightly different take on it, but ultimately it's still down to the, a desire to be married. I personally, I can think of off the top of my head, only one person I know that actually wanted to be single for life. 
Mm. So the vast majority of single people, in my experience, have wanted a marriage. It's just not happened for some reason. Yeah, let's talk about, so some um, single folks that, that I've known through the years and some who I've seen and just sort of bring this topic up on Twitter and whatnot, uh, have leveled the charge that the church has maybe unbiblically or extra-biblically or even idolatrously elevated the idea of marriage to the point at which singles become seen as spiritually inferior or second-class citizens is sometimes brought up. How accurate do you think that perception is? Do you think that's a, a widespread thing if it does happen? What's the cause of that, et cetera? Yeah, I, th I think it's a little too strong to go all that way. Yeah. I think churches can subconsciously do that, though. So I don't think they're treating um, those that are married as as higher class and, and those that are single as lower class. But I think subconsciously that can sometimes happen. If you look at your church and look at who's serving, it can often be couples. My wife and I were talking about this just the other night. If we're looking at situations as to who we know that tend to be trusted with things, it tends to be married couples. It tends to be married couples that have been in the church for a little while. And I think subconsciously there's just this kind of almost background thought that if they're married, they're trustworthy. I think specifically for men, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards here. Yeah. And so I think the idea that we're elevating married couples, I don't, I don't think that's true. But I do think it could be said that married couples are treated a little bit differently. And I don't know if that's the nature of just being in a relationship, whether that's saying that you've been tested in a relationship and, and you know, you're showing um, positive signs or whether singleness can often have struggles that people have to work through and therefore because of those struggles they're not being used as often. I don't know, but in my experience I've de I would definitely say we elevate the trustworthiness of those that are married. Okay. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just kind of saying in experience that that yeah. would be the case. I also think just culturally, so again, I don't think theologically I've ever heard anyone say anything like this, that marriage suddenly makes you more spiritual yeah. or something. But culturally, sometimes the experience, I, I'm sure in some churches, I don't know how widespread this is. I couldn't speak to that, I don't think. But I can totally put myself, I think, in the shoes of a single person in a church where marriage is spoken of so often and resources are poured mm. towards the idea of marriage and family so often, which is important. I think we should, you know, I don't want to backtrack that at all, where you begin to feel like, well, I, so I'm not a priority yeah. because I'm not married. And the only way I'll become a priority is if I get married. And therefore, I know you wouldn't say I'm a second-class citizen yeah. or that I'm an afterthought, et cetera, et cetera. But experientially, yeah. I am yeah. because I'm, I'm not married. And this yeah. church is, sort of revolves around resourcing marriages. I, I, I would even go a little bit further and say resourcing families sure. uh, in terms of children. If, if you know, think about even just our own church context. We have a huge amount of ministry volunteers in our children's ministry. And again, often we'll do children in church and all these sorts of things. And a lot of that is geared towards it. And if you're not married or don't have children, you can, left out is really the wrong term because it, it makes it sound like you're doing a poor me, I, I've been left out. But you can often think, well, what is there for me here? How, how yeah. am I being served? Not in a selfish way, but in a, do you even notice me? I can certainly see that. And that's actually something I would say in terms of church and singleness. Uh, we've been recently having a conversation, uh, my wife and I, just about how we can serve those that are single in our church a little bit better. 
and I've mentioned before on this podcast, my, my mom's a widow. And so I've asked her a couple of times just about different situations. And one of the things she said is it's really hard as an individual, um, just single or even just being one individual going into church. Who are you going to sit with? You don't need a whole row. You just need one seat. Yeah. Who are you going to sit with? Is anyone inviting you to sit with them? All these sorts of things she has to decide before she walks into the room. And I think whether you are single or just happen to be at church on your own, there's a crucial moment on Sunday services where if you're on your own, actually you can have an intense feeling of loneliness as you walk into the church. Whereas a family or a married couple, you don't really experience that because you're going to sit together. You always have someone to sit with. Um, so my, my wife and I have taken on to actually just asking those that are on their own to come and sit with us come and sit with the madness that is our family role. Um, and surprisingly, they sometimes sit with us again. Uh, that's what surprises me. But just trying to go, actually, this room isn't just geared for married people. It's geared for everybody that comes through this door. And for single individuals, that might be that they need someone to sit with. Yeah. Um, so it can be as simple as that, that our ministry is geared for, for everyone because we're always thinking, who are people going to sit with? And yeah. I think for singles, that can be quite quite difficult. You know, some of this is, is made problematic by, or, or I guess complexified, in the discipleship processes for single folks, because so many of them aspire to marriage mm. and would say, I want to be a wife, I want to be a husband, we tailor discipleship, generally men's discipleship and women's discipleship, yeah. towards the husband, father, and the wife, mother. Yeah. Even for singles, because so many of them aspire to this, and we want to train you for that, that we can still unwittingly, again, I want to take a step back and say, this isn't about un, not resourcing families mm -hmm. and marriages, and marriages are in, in real trouble today as well. And we need to buttress marriages and encourage marriages and help people be good husbands and good wives and good parents and those sorts of things. So this isn't about suddenly upending the whole thing and making them second-class citizens. But I think for some single folks, when you equate sort of the apex of discipleship as now you're a family person, yeah. you have the person who thinks, well, what if it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Is the goal of discipleship to become a husband or a wife, or is it to become Christ-like? Yes. Regardless of if I'm a husband or a wife. Yeah. Sometimes I think even the emphases can leave people feeling like, well, this isn't really for me. Yeah. I, I want that. But if that doesn't happen, if the Lord doesn't provide that, what then? Yeah. I can't mature. I can't be, I can't follow the discipleship yeah, know, pipeline in this church because that's I'm so not, true, isn't it? Know. We prepare people for it. And then when they have it, we then prepare them in it. And then when they're moving on to the next stage of children or grandchildren, we're always preparing them for those things. Yeah. The question is how, how we can, I don't know if this is a question for now, but how do we get out of that cycle? Well, I think, so I preached a sermon from first Corinthians seven at my last church called Single and Sufficient. Mm. And I got feedback from nobody except single people. Mm. No one who was married said anything to me about the sermon. It was just, uh, it was, you know, maybe they said good sermon or something after church, but I don't remember like just yeah. substantial feedback. Single folks were saying, thank you. Yeah. And part of it was because every fall I did a relationship series and every fall I talked about marriage yeah. and every fall I talked about being a good husband and being a good, or just manhood and womanhood and those yeah. sorts of things. And I would always do like some other sort of topics related to that, whether uh, one time I did, I think it was oriented towards uh, teenagers, mm. you know, how to you know follow Christ as a teenager, that sort of thing. And then I started doing singles. So I was like, you know, this is important. Yeah. 
And I started having folks go, I've never heard a message on singleness before. You know, I'm like, oh, really? Like, no, yeah. I've never heard a message on singleness. And not only that, but I wasn't, a message wasn't about, here's how to find a spouse. Yeah. It was Paul saying, I, I wish that you could remain as I am, as a single person. Mm-hmm. It's Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 38, that it's actually better to be single, which kind of upends the idea of, mm-hmm. is marriage the apex of, of spirituality or discipleship or maturity? Paul's saying that you actually, you can devote more to the kingdom. Yeah. Because you're not distracted. He uses the idea of like, uh, he says worldly or just distracted by the things of this world. I don't think he means like worldly in the sinful sense. I think he just means you're, you know, how to provide for my family. How do I take care of the household? How do I raise my kids? Although like this worldly type things. He says single people worry less about those things or can because they can devote themselves more fully to kingdom matters and to serving the church. And he actually says it's better, which is just not a message that, we no. hear emphasize it all. And to be honest, I don't know if I actually have conversations with single people that say that they feel that it's better. Yeah. Um, they can often say, oh yeah, I get to do more ministry. Uh, but <laughs> sure, do you sure. know, that's yeah. not actually, if they're really honest with themselves, what they want. But if we as the church actually talked about that in a positive light, right. and rather than just said, all you can be is trained up to be a husband or a wife, but actually, if we start with it, all you can be is a disciple of Christ. And if that's in a marriage, okay. And if it's not, okay. You're a disciple of Christ. That's that's the core here. But I think this also kind of talks a little bit into the kind of sexual nature of Christian relationships as well, in a sense of as a young age, you're always told, you know, avoid, avoid, avoid these things. These things are sin. So almost when you get to an adult age where you should be in a relationship, these types of things, I, I think it's kind of one of those things of you're expectant of that in life you've reached that age where you can now be expectant of that and you, you know if you've been single for a long time that transpires into a do people not want me do people not like me do i not look right do i not sound right why am i the one being left because we've trained ourselves to say you know 18 19 20 you're now into this world where you can date and marriage and when you go into marriage all these things are now open to you well, if you've not got married and you're 25, 30, 35, the question can come, why did no one choose me? Did they not want those things with me? And I think, I don't know if the church feeds into that yeah. or if that's just a mentality that comes with singleness. But our answer to that is, but you get to do more ministry. And I think that's what we can use. We can <laughs> yeah, often yeah. use the passage that you're, I don't think you, that's what you were doing, but I think what we often do in churches, but don't worry, you get to do more ministry. I have to deal with the kids, you know, and it's trying <laughs> yeah. not to see that passage yeah. as, you know, a little treat at the end of a hard road of singleness. No, it, it is the blessing that is given to those that yeah. are single, that you will have the beauty of ministry as a focal point. Yeah, Paul is working from the standpoint that actually to serve the Lord is the greatest satisfaction that you yeah. can have. That that you're, and that's why you know my title even of that sermon was "Single and Sufficient." Was is to say like it's not a spouse that completes you; mm. it's Christ that completes Absolutely. you. And so, in some sense, to be single is like you get to fully devote to this satisfaction yeah. that you ought to have. If, if if the church errs at all in this regard, in terms of you know positing marriage as the apex of Christian discipleship, and obviously we both think marriage is wonderful and yeah. beautiful, and singles who aspire to marriage aspire to a good thing, where yeah. we shouldn't say you shouldn't aspire to that. But if you're aspiring to marriage, it's like this is going to complete me, satisfy yeah. me, I'm going to arrive. I think a lot of 
you know, pitching that way. And then just the way we're bent, it doesn't even need the church to pitch marriage that way. Singles who aspire to marriage, I think so many of them, they struggle with this idea of like, yeah. I'll, I'll finally be happy, yeah. accepted, whatever, if I could just find that one. Yeah. Even if they don't believe in the whole soulmate thing, they just yeah. think if I could just get a husband, if I could just get a wife, then, you know, so much of what's wrong yeah. with me will be fixed or solved or I'll finally be happy. I'll be content. I'll be peaceful. I'll be satisfied. And the reality is if you set your desires for those things on a person, mm. even if you get them, you it's will not, not find it satisfied. I'm surprised you haven't used a movie quote. You complete me. Oh, gosh. Okay. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. yeah okay. But I mean, one yeah. thing I would say is if your viewpoint is in singleness that our marriage will complete you or in marriage that your spouse That's completes right. you, you're way off the mark. Yeah. And this is one of the chapters in our book, by the way, go outside. Uh, the spouse will not complete you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's something that married couples need to be conscious of, of portraying. You know, my wife doesn't complete me. Right. Christ does. And if I keep saying and believing that my wife completes me, then I'm actually saying to singles, you're incomplete. Yeah. And and that's just, I think. But now really... I don't believe that, Ross. I'm a single person. I don't believe that. But you get to go home at night yeah. and there's somebody there who knows you well. And yeah, they don't complete you, but they listen to you. Yeah. You get to have a meal with them. You sit down and watch TV with them. You pray with them. You play with the kids together. With, like you have that yeah. and there's an ache there. I, I aspire to that. Yeah. I desire that. And I think what we would say is the ache speaks to something that is real because we weren't made to be alone. And yet Christ is the friend that we desire. Even if you had that person to have that meal with and that would be there when you walked in through the door, they cannot do for you what Christ does and can do. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things, just you saying those things, one of the things that I counsel those that are single, often they'll say that they're lonely and often they'll say they're sad. Yeah. Um, they're genuinely sad at not being picked or or just why they're still alone or why this is God's plan. And I, and I often say this, it is okay to feel those emotions. And in response to those emotions, don't think a relationship solves them. Christ solves them. He is the great comforter. He is the great friend. He is the one that is by your side. And yes, I may go home to my wife and my kids being there, but it's not my wife and my kids that hold me centered in life every minute of every day. It is Christ that does that. And I think sometimes when you're single and look into a marriage, you're saying, ah, that's not true. You have your wife, you have your husband. And I think married couples are looking into singles going, no, (laughs) that's, that's a benefit, but it's not the completedness. Christ does that for me. And I think that's one of the things I would say is just on the emotion side of things, it's okay to feel lonely and it's okay to go to Christ and say, I I feel lonely. It's okay to feel sad and to say, this situation I am in is not bringing me happiness. It's not okay to go and try and find that in this world. Find it in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on, uh, just speaking practically about this, Someone who aspires to marriage, should they be looking or should they just wait for that person to kind of appear in their life? Sometimes we give different advice yeah. to young men or, you know, to men than we give to women. That women shouldn't be pursuing at all yeah. or that or shouldn't be looking at all. Um, yeah. You should be so close to Christ. Someone's <laughs> got to go through him to get to, you know, that sort of thing. Any advice? Should they be well, looking or not looking? We tend to have two, two Active or inactive. extremes. Yeah. Um, don't do anything. <laughs> That's right. 
serial dating. Okay. There's a, the, the, two, the, two, and, yeah, yeah. the two extremes. Find somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You, your life should not be stopping because you're not in a relationship. If God is calling you to the mission field, get going to the mission field. Yeah, yeah. If God is calling you to train, train. If God is calling you to serve in your church, serve. Don't wait for that relationship. You get going with what God has placed before you. At the same time, don't ignore the fact that you actually do want to be married with someone. Yeah. So be in environments where you're being honest to God and saying, lead me to somebody. Yeah, I think even one thing that I would love to talk to some single folks about is settling in the right areas. Yeah. I think many times men and women, they're willing to compromise on certain things that they shouldn't compromise on. <laughs> and and they don't compromise on things that they yeah. should compromise on. Yeah. Right. You know, so looking for someone who is spiritually mature yeah. and looking for someone who is godly and who's serving their church and isn't needy for a relationship necessarily. Yeah. Those are kind of the stable folks that you should actually look for. Yeah. And it's usually, well, if they're a little rough around the edges, if they're a little, you know, scattered, if they're not necessarily spiritually where they ought to be, but, you know, they look good and they make money and they, or whatever it is. <laughs> Sometimes we have kind of worldly values when it comes yeah. to folks. I also think, you know, becoming a marriable person. Yeah. This is a, this is sad to say, and I'm going to sound sexist in some regard here. This is more of a problem, I think, with men, <laughs> some, at least in my experience with young men who aspire to marriage is, um, I know you want a wife, I know you want a family, and why not work on becoming a godly man? Let's yeah. let's let, let's think about that for a little bit. Let's talk about self-control. Let's talk about yeah. some disciplines. Let's talk about what you're doing with your computers and your phones yeah. and those sorts of things. I'm not saying it's not a problem for, uh, for women, but in my experience, young men in particular, they need some more um, domesticating before yeah. they enter a, a partnership through marriage. <laughs> 100%. I mean, I, I, I would say it's not sexist if that is the thing that we're often seeing. And I'm yeah. often seeing that in ministries. Young guys just don't have a clue. Um, yeah. Don't have a clue when they're coming to the seriousness of a relationship and what that means to be the lead in your household, of leading your wife to know more of Christ, your children to know more of Christ, and you're still mucking about over here type thing. Um, <laughs> one of the things I would say, just in terms of the compromise thing, I think if you're early 20s, mid 20s, your expectations are more of the joy and excitement of a relationship. As you move into your 30s, even possibly pushing into your 40s, your expectations start to skyrocket as to what you hope for. Mm. Um, you want the godly man. You want the man that looks good. You want the woman who can um, have a, a family and raise a family. You, you're basically elevating to a level of perfection. You're looking at all the other marriages and you're saying, I want that. The reality is all the other marriages behind closed doors have their own struggles. Yeah. And, and they didn't, wherever they are now, they didn't, they didn't start, start that there. way. Exactly. So <laughs> right. I, I would also say when you're talking about compromise, obviously there are biblical elements we shouldn't compromise on. But I think one of the things we have to, um, I think, advise those that are single is train your minds not to have a picture of what that husband or wife should look like. Because what you might be doing is ignoring the very people in front of you because they're not reaching your standards. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying standards loosely. I'm not saying biblical right, standards. the things that you should be willing yeah, to compromise like, on. Like, oh, they don't look like movies. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I can't yeah. be with them. Yeah. Well, come on. Is that really... Like, I always say this. If uh, I knew my wife didn't like cheesecake before we got married, I might have made a different decision. <laughs> but it's a total joke. Of course, yeah. if she doesn't like cheesecake, that, that doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, kind of does. But it doesn't really matter. And I think I want to say that to singles is... Don't elevate to like this perfect relationship because that doesn't exist. And every married couple you talk to is going to say that. 
And if they don't say that, then they're lying about their own marriage because there's always struggles. There's always yeah. issues you wish to change. And, you know, after, after watching those that, that have elevated perfection is what their gain is, I think really you kind of have to check about why you're doing that. You know, what, why is, why is some people's baggage not, you know, not, that's not something you want to take on. They're going to take on your baggage. So why can't you take on some of theirs as well? So, yeah. Um, For married couples, an, an encouragement I would give is to befriend. You know, you said you, you've got folks sitting in your row. I know that you and Miriam have a number of single folks in your life. They, you know, they stay with you guys. They come over for dinners and all those sorts of things. To make friends with single folks. Absolutely. Keep, you know, if we really want to help them with this loneliness issue and we want to help them in, in terms of discipleship, we want the church community to not be centered around yeah. prioritizing married or single, either one, but to say we're a family yeah. and family spend time together, yep. uh, family help each other, you know, family pour uh, you know, into each other and invest in each other. And so the next time you've got fellowship, next time you've got stuff going on in your home, next time you're having a party, next time you're going to take some folks out to lunch, whatever, don't overlook the yeah. single folks in your church. The advice someone gave me in my community group was this, when you're going grocery shopping, invite someone that's single oh, because they're going shopping on their own. It's that acute moment of who they're feeding themselves. They're on their own. Go as a family. Have that craziness of the kids running around and the single person helping you. Like just <laughs> invite them into normal life. You don't yeah. have to have this big extravaganza. You don't have to have this big event. Just invite them into normal life. Yeah. Hey, I'm popping to Walmart. Um, could do with some company. Do you fancy coming along with me? And just even thinking that way, what you're seeing is every element of my life could be a blessing. Even the ridiculous thing of going grocery shopping with my kids, uh, that could be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah. And I was really taken aback when this individual said this in our community group because it just doesn't sound exciting to me whatsoever. <laughs> grocery shopping, yeah. But to this individual, it said, it makes me feel part of a family. It mm. stops me being alone. And I, the loneliness is the thing that takes you all over the place mentally. Yeah. Where if you remove that concept and actually they have this wonderful family in the church, that loneliness starts to disappear, which means their decision process isn't based on loneliness. It's based on what God's guiding them into. So don't overcomplicate how we serve singles. Just have them part of your life and don't label them as, oh, they're single. We need to invite them. It's that's a brother or sister in Christ. I love them. They're probably feeling a bit lonely come with me and let's do this together type thing. So it's good. Two married guys talking about singles <laughs> in the church, singleness in the church. Well, I hope it was a blessing to you, dear listener. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We may just read it here on an episode. You can hear your name or your handle. So don't hesitate to do that. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.